following is a presentation of KSL Sports. BYU gets a much-needed win in Big 12 play. Keaton throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown! The success comes just in time, because today, the Cougars play a Big 12 powerhouse, the Texas Longhorns. They have a great coaching staff that does a great job getting the guys ready, and so much talent. It's going to be a a difficult matchup, but I think it's going to bring out the best in us. If BYU has any chance of victory, it's going to come on the arm of quarterback Keaton Slovis. Slovis with the 80th touchdown pass of his outstanding collegiate career. You're listening to KSL Special Extended. Extended pregame coverage. BYU, Texas. We're sponsored by Any Hour Services, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Good morning, Cougar Nation. BYU and Texas, a one time clash as Big 12 foes. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte coming to you from Austin, Texas. The side of BYU versus Texas today at 1.30 p.m. right here on KSL News Radio. This is extended pregame coverage. We're breaking it all down. This BYU-Texas matchup, it's a big one. We've got Isaac Rex joining the show. We've got a Texas insider joining. Tyler Batty, Fessy Satake, Ryan Rico. you got to be locked in as we get you ready for kickoff. It's a huge game because this could open up the doors for a second team to slide into the Big 12 championship game. It obviously would get BYU bowl eligible. So there's a lot of different angles. And the thing that is so interesting about this BYU team is they have not come close to playing their best game. Now, they're going to have to play their best game to beat Texas, Mitch, but we haven't seen the best yet from BYU. You can interact with us throughout the day. Text 57500. Text BYU to 57500. You can be on our BYU text line to get updates on BYU football throughout today, the season, and also just BYU sports in general with our KSL Sports coverage. Let's dive in, though, Matt, and get ready for this BYU-Texas game in the leadoff. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. It's a big one. The stadium's big. Look, BYU's only played in front of over 100,000 fans two times, and one of those times was the last time they were here. And look, this Texas team is going to draw a big crowd. They've got high expectations. They're not out of playoff consideration. So this is still a big game for them now. The big story, Mitch, is Quinn Ewers for Texas, unavailable after suffering a shoulder injury at Houston last week. Does that change things at all for you? I think it does change things because Malik Murphy, the expected starter for the Longhorns, he's talented, but he's never started a game. And there's inexperience there. He's a Richard freshman, kind of like two weeks ago when BYU faced Josh Hoover. So it's not quite like last week against Texas Tech when they faced a true freshman and strong. But uh, Malik Murphy is a talented football player. I mean, there was reports and rumors that Alabama was trying to pry him into the portal uh, to give him a, a lucrative deal. He's he's kind of like a KJ Jefferson build. He's huge, you know, six four, six five, somewhere in there. Big athlete for BYU to take down if he gets out and runs. But then there's also the element, Matt, of Arch Manning, who Steve Sarkeesian dangled that he's getting first team reps this week. So if Malik Murphy struggles at all, and BYU's defense has been opportunistic. 
Maybe we see Arch Manning, the debut of the heralded Manning boy coming into this game. So a lot of good storylines, but BYU's defense has got to get off to a fast start and continue to be that that turnover defense that, that's been causing a lot of takeaways and havoc for some teams this season. It's all about the takeaways, where BYU is third in the country in turnover margin. I mean, there's a Amazing. lot a, there's a lot that hasn't gone well. And that turnover margin, Mitch, is probably the reason they beat Tech. I mean, it's definitely the reason they beat Tech. It's probably the reason they beat Arkansas. And it could very well be the reason this team goes bowling. Because you look at the offensive rankings, 122nd in total offense, 128th in rushing offense, 74th in passing offense, total defense, 95th. A lot of these numbers are in the bottom half of college football, but yet turnover margin and red zone offense, both top 25 statistical numbers, that has carried them to some wins, and that's going to be the recipe again against Texas. They've got to win the turnover battle. They've got to cash in touchdowns when they're in the red zone if they want to beat a Longhorn team that is, I mean, offensively, 15th in total offense, 23rd in passing offense, total defense, 38th, but still top 50. Like, both sides of the football, Texas is playing Big 12 championship-level football. Texas is far and away the most talented team BYU's faced to this point and will probably be the most talented team they faced the entire season. And then you add the element, as you noted, 100,000-plus fans expected to be there. I think there will be a nice showing of BYU fans, but how much? Who knows? It's a, it's a tickets tough ticket. Tickets are cheap. It's, it's not cheap. And, hey, maybe that's – but BYU is pretty good in these spots when they come to these games. And, hey, maybe we should just call it SEC country uh, because Texas is going to the SEC next year. But how uh, much did the kickoff time affect the way you feel about this game? Let's just address the elephant in the room right now. I It did. You know it, it did. It did. It, it, did it, it did affect me a little bit because – Whatever it is, BYU is this vampire team where they are just a lot better at night than they are in the day. But I do think that with this game, Matt, and I hope this happens for BYU, just come out loose. Just come play. There's nothing to lose in this game for no. BYU. If you lose by 20, no one's going to say, well, BYU's a terrible football team. They would just say, that was expected. You're going up against a college football playoff contender. Please, BYU, go out. Play loose. Don't be afraid of Texas. I think Texas has more fear in this game because they feel like they got to live to a certain standard after last week where they struggled against Houston. I think they're feeling like got a new quarterback. We got to we got to lift this thing up if we want to still be in the college football playoff conversation. BYU just come out loose, play to your best, and see what happens. I think that message needs to be sent to Aaron Roderick as well. You can't look. He preaches the turnover battle, and rightfully so. Because it's led them to a lot of wins. But this cannot be a situation where, like last week, in the second half against Texas Tech, four out of five drives in the second half, uh, up until that final one where they milked the clock, three and outs. Like, you just you can't have that. Let it loose. I said this on Cougar Nation earlier in the week, and shameless plug for us. We'll be reacting to this game on Monday, 6 p.m., KSL News Radio, taking your calls, breaking down the Longhorns and Cougars. But I said on Cougar Nation, and I still feel this way, look, if Slovis those four or five picks, I'm not going to give a rip because they're being aggressive. And they're going to – you just can't – this can't be a game – this can't be 2018 Wisconsin where everything has to go perfectly. You're stretching it out, and you eke it out because a field goal kicker misses a kick at the end <laughs> of the football game. Like I'm with you 100%. Play loose. Have fun. Let it rip. Be aggressive. And let's see what happens. BYU has talent. They've got – 
talent on this football team. And, and that's been, I think, one of the frustrating deals about BYU this year is that I don't feel like they've reached their potential in certain position groups, mainly on the offensive side of the ball. Totally. And, you know, Texas is an all-world team, all-world rosters. We we heard that narrative in 2013 and 14, and look what happened. BYU yep. smoked them off the field and basically ended coaching tenures for Texas. So BYU just got to come out and just just not, not listen to any of the outside noise and just play at their best. Because I feel like if BYU does have the chance, Matt, to make this game somewhat competitive in the fourth quarter. Look, yep. I don't I don't feel confident that BYU is necessarily going to win this game, but I do feel like BYU can make it uneasy for Texas. And when they get uneasy, because they, they, they have not faced much adversity, and this is a tougher Texas program than in years past, but with a new quarterback, that just adds an element where there could be a little more nerves. And I, I just feel like BYU has got to be opportunistic. And I feel like... This narrative about Arch Manning potentially playing and getting some reps, to me it screams that they just feel like, hey, they're going to roll through BYU and he's going to get a chance to you know, to get, some, get some second string reps because it's mop-up duty. Like, take that to heart, BYU. Hit, post that as locker room material if you haven't already this week because they feel like Arch is going to get time because, well, they're just going to roll through BYU and it's going to be a breeze. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mitch. And I love the point you make, too, quickly before we get to our first break about this Texas team uh, kind of letting teams hang around. Like, ever since that Alabama game where they won 34-24, Wyoming was around in the second half. Baylor, they dominated. Kansas was around midway through the third quarter. Then it got loose. They lose to Oklahoma. Houston could have very well lost to Houston. Like, is for as much talent as Texas has, and they have a lot of talent, Mitch. They're incredibly talented. Maybe them in Michigan, maybe we'll have the most players selected in the upcoming NFL draft. They have not just blown people away. Like, take some confidence in knowing that Wyoming, Kansas, and Houston have played with these guys. So, look, you can play with them. There's no doubt about it. If they play their brand of football, they're aggressive, but they take care of the football and they can force some turnovers. We're going to take a break here. Extended pregame coverage. We're rocking and rolling from Austin, Texas. We're going to keep breaking this baby down for the next two and a half hours. Taking the break. Back after this. BYU, Texas. In for six. Touchdown, Cougars. This is KSL special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, Cougar fans. Matt Bayamonte, Mitch Harper. We're having a great time here in the uh, the live music capital of the world. <laughs> Austin, Texas. We're eating great food. We're having a good time. Weather is absolutely outstanding. Yes. I mean, you cannot have a better, you know, mid-80s. Like, we're wearing shorts and t-shirts. We're having a great time down here in the heart of Texas and getting ready for BYU and the Texas Longhorns. Their final year in the Big 12 before they take off to the SEC. Now, Mitch, we're lucky to have Mitch here with us because you're one, you're the BOU insider, but you're also the host of First and Twelve. And you have told me on many occasions, I, I don't watch Netflix. I don't watch any new TV. All I consume is the Big 12. Yes. I don't know if we'll find many people like you who are like, yeah, uh, the, these great uh, World Series matchups, Game 7s, didn't watch. Just focusing on the Big 12. So let's ask the, <laughs> the, the man, the Big 12 connoisseur, 
What, what do you know about Malik Murphy? Because this is clearly the storyline. For the third week in a row, BYU is playing a freshman quarterback, making his first start. I mean, that's got to be some sort of record. Now, this dude is clearly the most talented of the two. They stunk against Hoover. They took care of Jake Strong with ease. What is the scouting report on Malik Murphy? The, the com- comparison, I would say, Matt, is Anthony Richardson. Oh. Florida quarterback, now Indianapolis Colt, who is now Hurt. injured. But... That, to me, is the comparison. When he's at his best, he's going to be that level of talent where you might say he could one day be a first-round pick. Now, the lows could potentially be, uh, you know, a lot of struggles. I mean, Anthony Richardson was a mixed bag at Florida, and I think that's what it is with Malik Murphy. And I think you hope, if you're BYU and Jay Hill in this defense, that you're getting in the first career start for Murphy the lows, and it's starting off poorly. But... Like an Anthony Richardson, who, you know, I believe in his debut at Florida, he came out of the gates hot. And he was on fire to where everyone around Florida was like, you got to start this guy. And he's got to be the face of the program and basically brought changes to the program because of his talent. So I, I feel like that's the comparison. And, and that's the, the that's the comp. Maybe K.J. Jefferson, too, in terms of difficulty to bring down. But you go back and watch the spring game in April in Texas. He looked like the best quarterback. I honestly was coming away thinking he looked better than Quinn Ewers. And, you know, Ewers has been outstanding this year for he Texas. Has, and yeah. he's he's exceeded, I think, folks like myself and even, even Me, because I was down on Ewers. Yeah, he, he's done really good. But Murphy is a big-time athlete. He was a four-star recruit. I mean, that's everyone at Texas, though. And I just think that BYU, the challenge that – you know, comes with facing him. It's just there's not much film at this level on him. You, you got that whole s- spring game, though. I think you got to turn to a lot of that film to kind of size him up. But he's got a huge arm, and he can run at a moment's notice. So BYU's got to be a Simon Sam. On the flip side, Keaton Slovis, there's been a lot of discussion amongst Cougar fans, amongst ourselves, where, you know, Arkansas, great plays, clutch plays, Kansas, TCU, painful turnovers. I thought Keaton bounced back in a nice way. That second half was not ideal, but I don't put a ton of that on him. I thought the play calling was a little, uh, it was difficult because it was third and long, throw the ball up, but the guy doesn't make a catch or it's, it's contested. You punt and there was no rhythm. So his numbers didn't look great against Texas tech, but I thought just his decision-making was better. He looked a little more comfortable. What'd you make of Keaton his last time out? Well, Keaton, I think is facing adversity. Well, you know, last week I was, Pretty honest, I, I felt like if he didn't play well in that first half against Texas Tech, you got to start maybe considering Retzlaff a little bit. And not to say permanent, but I just felt like he, that performance against TCU was a disaster on so many fronts. And it wasn't solely Slovis. But I love how he responded. He stayed confident. He, there's still a belief. And it was interesting this week at practice. You know, I asked him about, does he have the autonomy to call out of a play? Because honestly, Matt, I feel like there's got to be some times where Slovis gets a call from Roderick and he goes... No, I'm not, I'm not calling that. I'm not running that. Like, no disrespect to Roderick, but the players are playing the game. Yep. They are the ones that are going to have to execute. And sometimes I feel like Slowis, who's a seasoned veteran, and he's been through so many games, he should have the right to just say, you know what, I'm calling out of that. I'm running something different. And I hope there's a little more autonomy given to that. He, he acknowledged that there's a nice collaboration, especially when he gets to the sideline. He's talking to Fessy, who you will all hear from coming up here a little bit later this hour the conversation you had, but uh, I, I just feel like, you know, I want to see Slovis, if, if he doesn't like a call that Roderick calls in, just call out of it. I, I want to see him have the autonomy to just call this offense on the field, on, on the front lines, because 
I, I like though that Slovis has been resilient, and I feel like he's still maintaining the the mentals seem good. He seems like the team is still rallying behind him, and I think that bodes well because when given time, this guy can operate and put up some big numbers through the air. And he had better time against Texas Tech, and the run game was better. Not good enough, but better against Texas Tech. Look, Slovis has to play maybe his best game of the year if they want to beat the Longhorns. Taking a break here, extended pregame coverage on the other side. My conversation with Fessy Satake breaking down the passing game and the wide receiver group. We'll have that conversation next. It's extended pregame coverage. It's powered by KSL Sports. The Cougars are prowling the Lone Star State. Slovis gone. LJ left him. Second and goal from the one. The hand clap. The give Martin. LJ in the end against Texas Tech. Today, BYU takes on national power, Texas. This conference is no joke, man. So we got to get everything fixed as much as we can and be ready to roll by the time we go and see Sark and his boys. This is KSL special extended pregame coverage. BYU, Texas. Brought to you by Any Hour Services. Electrical plumbing, heating, and air. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Cougar Nation, it's a big one. The Cougars and the Longhorns extended pregame coverage brought to you by Any Hour Services. Electrical, plumbing, heating, and air earlier in the week down at the indoor practice facility. Actually, it was at the uh, student-athlete building. I caught up with Fessy Satake. Here's that conversation. First off, just it's not often BOU gets to play in a venue like this. Just you know, anticipating over 100,000 fans, just how exciting for you and for the team to play in such an iconic venue. Yeah, we're super, super excited for the opportunity. Every game is excited, but um, obviously no one can turn to, to a blind eye to the fact that, you know, this is a, it's a huge venue. It's a great game day environment. I think the most recent one would be um, opening home game Tennessee 2019. They had 90-plus thousand there, and, and uh, what an incredible atmosphere. And we've played in a lot, even this year in Arkansas. And, and uh, But we, we, we're really excited for this one. Um, and obviously not just for the environment, but the opportunity we have at hand to uh, play another game and to um, you know try and, try and get better and improve on the year. It's been an up-and-down season offensively where there's been moments where you guys looked awesome, yeah. other moments where it's a lot of three-and-outs. Do you think the offense took a step forward against Tech, and if so, why? Yeah, I, I felt we did. Um, obviously, if you break it up you know, in, into quarters and halves, one was a lot better than the other. Um, but I thought there was improvement just overall, um, you know, in, in the run game and, and uh, you know, making some plays downfield. We took a step, and there's no question, like, we have a lot we need to improve on, and uh, there's a lot we have been able to improve on. We are a very opportunistic team uh, is the way I put it, and um, I think sometimes uh, when you can, you can kind of beat a dead horse in that aspect, like, no one knows more than us as coaches and the players on offense of the things we need to improve on. Sometimes you can put so much emphasis on that stuff that you forget the positive. The biggest positive is winning games. and uh, But in the meantime, we have to improve on, on what that is. But I do think we took a step forward uh, with those things we need to improve on last week. The up and down nature, I think, also applies to the passing game. Why do you think it's been hard to be consistent in the passing game this year? Well, you, when uh, anytime you can become... Um, the defense defense feels they might have you operating in a one dimensional way um, that that you know poses issues on either side of the ball. If, if we're not able to, uh, let's say, get off the press release and, and create separation, um, you know teams are going to uh, take away the pass game and, and force you to run, and vice versa. If we're not able to run the ball, teams teams might you know just just take away the pass game. And so it, it works hand in hand, and I think. 
that's the issues of the, the inconsistency. There's a lot of uh, variables and factors on the struggles of the passing game and the run game. And and without like kind of going, you know, down the road of a science project and explaining that, um, the biggest thing is, is any point if the defense feels they got you on something that presents its challenges. And I think that's happened, you know, several times this year. Has one of the variables specifically in the passing game been the, the injuries at wide receiver where it just felt like that group hasn't been healthy all year? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's so much the actual injury as much as it is the overall chemistry of just new bodies. Um, Keaton alone, he's done a great job. But, I mean, Parker, uh, Darius, and Keelan, three of the six receivers who um, are playing for us, don't have what we've had the last five, six years, which is – yeah, we lose two or three receivers, but you have three or four more who have been in that system for two to three years. Keanu, Chase, Cody, they've all been a part of that. And so I think I think a lot of that is when you do lose a guy, you're, you're only playing with four or five receivers. Um, you just that, that chemistry takes time. And, and um, but, you know, that's not the only excuse, but that's definitely a factor. And, and uh, I think that's why you see improvement continually happening because that chemistry is building. One of those guys who hasn't missed a beat and has the chemistry is Chase Roberts. What, what have you made of his play through the first half of this season? Really happy with how Chase has been playing. Um, he's such a playmaker. Um, he's such a well-rounded receiver. I think he's one of those guys that I'm sure a defense circles uh, as far as our offensive players and, and who they need to kind of pay attention to a little a little bit because um, he's not he's not one-dimensional. He can do everything, and he's made enough plays this year for defenses to respect him and then just really grateful for uh, the kind of leadership role that he's uh, he's taken on this year. So, Is he going to be good to go for Texas? Didn't play much in the second half? Yeah, yeah, he's great. We just He, he, he could have gone all go last game, but he's, he's great now. He's 100%. He feels great. He's, he's had a great week of practice. Few more moments here with Fessy Satake. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think one of the pleasant surprises offensively this year has been Darius Lassiter. Just he's been making plays. Had that amazing catch against Texas Tech. What have you made of Darius's play? Been really happy with him. He's one that's continually emerging. Um, you know, it's tough. He's as experienced as he is in the game of football. Our offense still, and all the nuances that that can come with a with our playbook, he's starting to finally get. Um, and even though he's super smart. Uh, once again, like Cody and Chase and Keanu, for example, have two, three stacked years on top of each other of just small little nuances to our playbook. And uh, Darius coming in is is, uh, is starting to get those things. So just been really happy with, with Darius, his playmaking ability. Um, you know, it's easy to get see his uh, spectacular catches. But um, i just been really pleased with how he's taken on his role in, in blocking. Um, he's, 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 he's improved as the year's gone on. And and is getting better overall in the playbook, and I expect to see you know a lot more plays from him. Cody Epps, I think he played the most snaps he had all year against Texas Tech. How's he coming along? Is is that just the thing where he missed a lot of time and it's getting back up to speed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cody knows as well as anyone, man. That's 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 been the uh, Achilles heel right there. So he's a hundred percent. He's great. He's the the best I've seen him uh, since he was last healthy for us, um, which was the first half of last year. Um, since then, he's, it's been up and down, but man, he's 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 great right now, and I'm just glad he's uh, he's back. What can he provide to the offense? Uh, a healthy Cody Epps that maybe we didn't have the first half of the year. Yeah, just 
just obviously clearly experience number one um not not getting uh caught up in the moment you know any particular environment he's already played in the biggest stages and has made a lot of plays for us um he brings a level of savviness to the game uh, sometimes when things break down uh, uh, uh you can get very robotic and panic cody's very poised in the way he plays and, and is, is still able to manage to find a way to get open or make a play and and uh, he brings some some toughness uh and uh great mentality to our group on game day so all those things combined and many others has is, is been a big asset to our group Two more things for you. Cody Epps obviously plays probably the biggest role in the passing game, being the quarterback. Not Cody Epps, excuse me, Keen Slovis. Check myself there. How would you evaluate his performance up to this point, just in terms of operating the offense and specifically from the passing perspective? Yeah, it's it's. I've man, Keaton is first off. He's a. Uh, He's carried the burden of the the struggle as well as you you could. Um, he takes full ownership every week, and I get it that that's the job of the quarterback. Um, and sometimes you hear that and you just you say that's what it is. Um, we spoke about it already. There's so many variables to the lack of production and struggles, and whatever those are, Keaton just 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 takes that. And the reason why he's able to is he's so strong mentally. He's got a level of confidence that our offense feeds off of. Um, I've I've seen so many good things from him, and expect to see a lot more. You know, good things moving forward. But really, really happy with how he's handled our offense in both the the highs and the lows of uh, during the season. In order for BYU to beat Texas. What does the offense have to? I mean, besides scoring more points, which Dang is the obvious one, I, I had a feeling that was going to come, Fessy. What are you looking for? Like, hey, we got to do this if we want to beat Texas. We have to execute cleaner than them and have to play with more toughness. I think if we do those two things, I mean, the, the stage of the game, it, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. But um, man, we're so excited for this opportunity, and if we just execute, play our our, our best brand of football, it's not going to be a perfect game, and Texas won't have a perfect game either. But if we can execute better than them and we bring more toughness and, and physicality and intentionality to the game, man, we can beat anyone. There you go. Good stuff from Fessy Satake, breaking it down, getting you ready for the Cougs and the Longhorns. Taking a break on the other side, we'll do our conference check-in. BYU! Texas! In the gun, the hand clap, the snap, the short drop, the sprint out to the right. Keaton throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown! This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Extended pregame rolls on. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte coming to you from Austin, Texas. The side of BYU versus Texas. 130 kick right here on KSL News Radio. You can listen on the KSL News Radio app, kslsports.com. So many different ways 102.7 FM, 1160 AM. Anywhere you're listening, we appreciate you listening to the legacy home of the Cougars. And we're getting you ready for this big game. It's a massive showdown, opportunity for BYU. And it's one of the highlight games around the Big 12 Conference this week. Conference check-in, powered by Central Bank. Everything happening in the Big 12 this week. Right now, we're getting ready for BYU and Texas at the same time. Iowa State and Baylor, I'm kind of interested in this one because Iowa State is a team that's really surprised me. I thought their scandal, gambling scandal, would bring them down. But really, what this shows me is... If you have a great college football coach, you can overcome a lot. And Matt Campbell last year, it was a tough year at Iowa State. That's a hard place to win, man, and it's a hard place to recruit. He had a down year, bounced back. He's coaching his tail off. They go down and beat Baylor. Two things to watch is, one, is Iowa State going to ruin someone's season? And two, 
is is this the end of Aranda and Grimes at Baylor? So that's got some interesting storylines, Mitch. It definitely does. And the conference check-in is always sponsored by Central Bank. We always appreciate them being on board with these extended pregames. Coming up a little bit at the top of the hour, number six, Oklahoma at Kansas. 10 a.m. big noon kickoff on Fox. Then Houston at K-State. 10 a.m. as well on ESPN2. Any chance Kansas at home maybe upsets Oklahoma? What do you think? No, I, I don't think so. I think uh, this Kansas team is is okay. Maybe they're a little better than okay, but I, I don't really take them seriously as ruining someone's season like that. I, I, I think Oklahoma gets it done. West Virginia at UCF. BYU will face the Mountaineers next Saturday, so keeping a close eye on what the Mountaineers do. That game's on FS1, coming up again at the top of the hour at 10 a.m., and then... You noted Iowa State at Baylor. Iowa State's a tricky team because they'll come into Provo in about two weeks, and they could be a, a tough out because they got one of the toughest defense in the Big 12 Conference. And then the nightcap game, Cincinnati, one of the Big 12 newcomers, still looking for their first league win. They go on the road at Oklahoma State. This Ollie Gordon running back for Oklahoma State. BYU, for those people that love recruiting, BYU was recruiting him, one of the first schools to offer him out of high school. And I remember watching his highlight film and thinking, man, this guy is so good. But I thought, there's no way BYU was getting him. This is this was independence during the COVID year. And he's just been tearing it up for Oklahoma State. Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week this week, 280 yards a week ago. I think Oklahoma State gets a win over Cincinnati. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. BYU will close out the season against them. Here's all you need to know about that Cincy-Oklahoma State game. We'll be done with BYU in Texas by that point. Do we rush back to watch that, or do we hit the town and get some Tex-Mex? We hit the town, town getting the Tex-Mex. We hit the town. Like Cincinnati and Oklahoma State, I'm, I know I host first at 12, but that's not appointment viewing. If I'm going to skip a game, it's Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. But I got to say, though, I do enjoy just watching games and knowing it has an impact on BYU. Definitely. before it was like, I had someone tell me around the program this week that it's so much harder to figure out how good or how bad a team is that BYU played because in years past they'd say you beat Baylor and it felt like eh, you know like they're they're okay but they've taken a step back. Whereas coming out of that TCU game a few weeks ago, everyone thought TCU's back. They're they're loaded. Then they lose forty one to three against K State. I can't figure <laughs> this league out. Yeah. And that's got to give BYU some hope that maybe today, Matt, maybe. The unthinkable could happen, and the Cougars maybe could shock the college football world and take down. It the can definitely guys. happen because there's there's one thing that we know to be true in the Kalani Satake era, and that is the big games. Like they get up for these big games. Do they always win them? No. Is there a you know maybe we should say they always get up for the big games minus Utah. That game, <laughs> yeah. some of those games they have not gotten up for. But everyone else, yeah. USC, Tennessee, Wisconsin, like yeah, you've had the Wisconsin at home in 17 where you got your butts beat, but more times than not, this team gets up and competes in these big football games. I think that'll be the case again. And don't I think all of Cougar Nation out there listening can agree with this. Don't you just love BYU as a massive underdog so much better than say 2 weeks ago where it felt like you know, you you're should the, yeah, be, you're you should beat TCU. You are better than TCU. And they were getting picked on college game day, super dog pick. Like there's there's no buzz about BYU winning this game. And no. and I love a heavily underestimated BYU team. I love that spot because BYU has the talent 
to show better than anyone else would think. So that's the challenge in front of BYU. Kickoff today, right here on the Legacy Home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio at 1.30. We're continuing the extended pregame coverage as hour number two of our coverage kicks off on the other side. Isaac Rex, it's inside Cougar football. Coming up next, news, traffic, and weather. And then Isaac Rex right here on extended pregame, and it's powered by KSL Sports. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. BYU gets a much-needed win in Big 12 play. Keaton throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown! The success comes just in time, because today, the Cougars play a Big 12 powerhouse, the Texas Longhorns. They have a great coaching staff that does a great job getting the guys ready, and so much talent. It's going to be a a difficult matchup, but I think he's going to bring out the best in us. If BYU has any chance of victory, it's going to come on the arm of quarterback Keaton Slovis. Slovis with the 80th touchdown pass of his outstanding collegiate career. You're listening to KSL Special Extended Pre-Game Coverage. BYU, Texas. We're sponsored by Any Hour Services, electrical plumbing, heating, and air. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. BYU Texas extended pregame rolls on. BYU getting ready to take on the Longhorns here in Austin, and we're joined now by Isaac Rex. It's Inside Cougar Football, always brought to you by Economic Partners. Inside Cougar Football. Rex makes the catch. 10-5 touchdown. Inside Cougar Football with Isaac Rex. Sponsored by Economics Partners on Cougar Sports Saturday. Isaac, it's a big week. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the Texas Longhorns here in a sec, but uh, I do want to revisit that win last week. Big win over Texas Tech. What was maybe your assessment of that victory over the Red Raiders a week ago? Yeah, that was definitely a huge win. I mean, any win you get in this conference is huge so it was uh just great to you know see our team kind of click on all cylinders in that first half and then our defense kind of carrying us through the rest of the game and them causing those turnovers has been huge and other guys making plays thinking about like Darius's catch and LJ's run just big explosive plays that you know helped to score points it was really fun to see and it was a it was a very good game our crowd was awesome like always so yeah just a, a huge win for us mentioned offensively did quite well in that first half not quite as good in the second half why do you think there was a little slowing down offensively in that second half Uh, if you've watched college football this year it's like no team is safe at any point in the game you know especially if you play a little too aggressive maybe at times and so you know our we were up by 20 or 17 points or something you know at half and we were just looking to, you know, come out with a victory, if that makes sense. Like, we did not want to take anything for chance. We didn't want to turn the ball over or give them any good field position. We just wanted to get out of that game with a win and not be too aggressive because we've seen other teams that have lost in the last second of games or blown big leads. You could think about, you know, the Colorado-Stanford game. That clock management wasn't great by Colorado. They're up by... 29 points and Stanford ends up coming back you know so I feel like games like that maybe scare coaches or players a little bit so we we played pretty conservative in the second half Um, but we also you know we took some time off the clock by running the ball Aiden came in played really well our O-line blocked well so yeah there was a it was good to see that you know we could get out with a victory more than anything. 
you bring up Aiden, how big of a lift was it for the offense to have him back because he's been a guy dealing with an injury pretty much the entire season. That was the first real glimpse we got of him kind of being the, the guy that everyone, everyone expected him to kind of be coming into fall camp. What did Aiden provide to the offense? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, he's a thousand-yard rusher at UNLV last year. He played at Louisville. He's such a good back, experienced back, and we're going to need him the rest of the way for sure, especially with our you know our schedule coming up, the teams that we're going to be playing. Um, Aiden's going to be huge for us. And, yeah, he's he's such a good guy also. It's just good to see him back. And he, you know, has been battling injuries this year, but to see him out performing and running, you know, breaking tackles and getting first downs was super awesome to see. Isaac Rex is our guest. We do this every single week. Do you ever find yourself distracted between the third and fourth quarter when Cosmo's doing some ridiculous stunt? I don't know if you've seen the viral clips of him with the fire, uh, the fire knife, but man, that guy just continues to impress. Yeah, but here, here's the deal. I'm going to expose Cosmo a little bit. <laughs> now, Cosmo, it's not just one person in there. Let's be honest. You know, right. there's multiple different Cosmos that do multiple different tricks. And so to I feel bad, like Cosmo gets getting all this credit by, you know, dancing or with the, the cougarettes or, um, you know, doing push-ups on the tables or backflipping in a pool or, you know, fire dancing. But we all know that's three, that's four different people inside Cosmo's costume, you know? So Cosmo, he gets all the credit for all this work that supposedly he's doing. But, I mean, it's four different people inside one Cosmo suit. So that's where I got to expose Cosmo a little. I want to see, you know, the face of Cosmo maybe once in a while, you know. I want to I know who's actually underneath doing those stunts. Instead, they're just giving all the credit to Cosmo, if that makes sense. So, you know, I might be a little cynical, but shout out to the people that are inside the Cosmo costume. I love you know, that. Getting it, getting it done. I love that's that. What You're right. We need more stunts where the the Cosmo head goes flying into the stands, and we just get a yes, quick glimpse. Yeah, I want to where... see. I want to see who's underneath the you know the Cosmo suit because Cosmo, he's just a a figure of our imagination. You know, he's not a real person. There's a real person underneath that costume. Do you so. th- your theory, Isaac? Do you think the three or four people that are that are you know manning the uh, the Cosmo suit? Do you think they're students, or do you think these are? The, the, are they people among you at, at classes and whatnot? Um, well, I, well, I actually, maybe I'll even expose Cosmo a little bit more. I actually know one of the Cosmos. Ooh. So he's actually a good, <laughs> oh. he's a good family friend who actually did one of the stunts that, uh, you know, I won't name just because oh. I know it's, it's maybe, I don't know if it's like a secret fraternity <laughs> inside the, the Cosmos suit that no one wants to, to know about or you know it i don't i don't want to say it's a you know a, a cult or something you know the the cosmo cult i'm just kidding but no it's uh I, I actually know one of the dudes who is a cosmo and he's uh yeah he's been one of our good family friends for a while and he did one of the stunts and it, one of his stunts was so cool that i want to like you know shout out my boy that did it if that makes sense yeah Instead, he has to be super secretive, and he, he can't tell anyone that he's the Cosmo. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, like you know, give him the credit because he's my friend. He deserves it. He did this awesome stunt. But instead, Cosmo, you know, gets all the credit. So that's where 
I I kind of stand with the whole thing. The Cosmo fraternity is very secretive, but the BYU fraternity is pretty well known and well documented. The family culture at BYU. For for listeners out there that maybe don't realize, your brother obviously plays on the team second year with him. Preston Rex, the safety, he's been getting a lot more time the past couple of weeks. How fun has it been to see Preston getting some snaps, having some success at safety? Oh, it's been so fun. You know, I, when I um, watch the defense out there, um, usually I'm just like focused on the whole defense as a whole, just seeing who's making the play in that time. But when Preston's out there, I'm just watching strictly Preston. Like, I just love watching my brother play out there. I love cheering him on. You know, anything that he does, you know, I'm, I'm screaming from the sidelines. It's so fun to see. Uh, him make plays and him make tackles. Um, and he's, I feel like he's been doing a really good job and I think he's going to be a really key player for, for BYU in, in the future. And uh, even later on this year, you know, um, he's, it, it looks like they released a depth chart. He's, he's second. So at free safety and that that's huge, man, to be in that too deep, he's, he's going to be, you know, getting a lot of playing time and defensive guys, they, um, come in and out so yeah Preston he's he's a great player great instincts uh, really physical um, it's been so fun to watch him play I'm so proud of him and just to you know it's, it's funny for my dad my dad he used to just only you know basically watch me when I'm out there but now he has to pay attention to the whole game also because he's got <laughs> two different brothers on or two different sons on each side of the ball so that's where I'm like, that's, I don't know if that's been done. I'm trying to think in BYU history as the only one that, the only one that comes to mind, two different sizes of the ball. The only one that comes to mind is Luke Staley. His brother was Dustin Staley. Luke was obviously the running back and then Dustin was a cornerback, but that's the only one that off the top of my mind that comes, comes to mind. Yeah. I, I I was trying to think, you know, we have the Kafusis, they're all defense. Um, the Barringtons, they're, they were both offense last year. Uh, the Romneys were both offense. Well, I guess yeah, I mean, Tate Tate was here for a second. He was yeah. defense, but t- to have like me and Preston both playing in the same game, you know, together, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a joy for the Rex family. Um, and it's a joy for myself to watch Preston out there playing we got to take a break here. We'll continue our weekly discussion with Isaac Rex on the other side as college football BYU, is kicking off around Texas the country. Texas for six touchdown Cougars. This is KSL Special Extended Pre-Game Coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back in our weekly discussion with Isaac Rex and let's turn the page now to the big matchup against the Texas Longhorns. Growing up, did you did you watch these games when when Taysom was wrecking them about ten ten years ago? Yeah, man, I I I remember those games. Um, that was obviously a different Texas team. Um, they were kind of on the the end of the Mac Brown era, you know. The sad, I think, BYU fans like to contribute to Mac Brown maybe losing his job, you know, and that that time. But like those were really good BYU teams and uh, obviously Texas has always been, you know, historic program. They've always been good. And, you know, but 
this Texas team that we're coming up on, you know, after beating Alabama, barely losing to Oklahoma, like this Texas team is, they're legit. They got, you know, four or five stars everywhere and they're uh, really well coached by um, Sarkeesian. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a crazy matchup. It's going to be really fun. Obviously not a lot of people think we can win, uh, but BYU always plays well when we're the underdogs. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. To your point about the talent on Texas, Aaron Roderick said, Texas has perhaps the best defensive line he has seen or gone up against in his 24 years of coaching. To you, what stands out about the Texas defense and how can you guys attack them? Yeah, I mean, when you watch them, there's no real weakness. You know, they're obviously athletic, physical. Yeah, their front four is very big and athletic also. And so, you know, we got to come ready to play. We have to, we can't, you know, come out flat like we did against TCU. You know, we can't come out scared. We have to be, you know, ready to roll. Like, this is, there's not a lot of room for error when you're playing uh, these Big 12 teams specifically, but especially a team like Texas. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a legit game. It's going to be tough. I think we're we're prepared well from our coaches, but we have to go out and execute. Coach Sark had some nice things to say about his time at BYU and, and this BYU team that you're a part of earlier in the week mentioned that he sees the offense using you and the tight end group a lot. How do you think the tight end group has performed up to this point in the season? I feel like we've done really well. I mean, we've had a lot of new players, um, Tava, and been really good for us, um, you know, whether it's on special teams or it's in the run game or even in the pass game in some um, instances. It's been a great year for for those guys and, and for me to, you know, kind of lead and help them out but yeah i'm uh, I'm super proud of those guys they've worked really hard they've been great leaders they've taken you know practice seriously they've taken the game seriously they play physical so i think the tight end group has been doing really well this year wanted to get your thoughts too isaac on a freshman we haven't seen him much in games i think only one game this year but uh, your thoughts on jackson bowers because kind of a you know mid-season check and what's your thoughts on on him and maybe the potential he has in this program down the road. Yeah, Jackson, he has that mentality. Like, he wants to win. He wants to be great. Um, obviously, he's still a little young, but he's going to be a, a really good player for us in the future. And, you know, as long as he keeps working on, you know, his body, as long as he keeps working on the mental side of the game, he's going to be, you know, one of the top tight ends in BYU history, I believe. I believe he has that potential. And so, yeah, Jackson has all the physical tools. He can run. He can block. He can... He can catch, you know, he knows his place, he's smart, and I think he's going to be, a, you know, a great tight end in the future. And I think, um, yeah, even starting, you know, next year, like he'll, he'll be playing and he'll be getting time as a, as a young redshirt freshman. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Jackson does in the future, and he has a very bright future in my opinion. We'll end on this, Isaac. Hours away now from the kickoff between the Longhorns and the Cougars, what are one, two, or three things offensively that you guys have to be able to do if you want to upset Texas? Yeah, I feel like, number one, you can't turn the ball over. You know, when we've turned the ball over this year, we've lost. Or, you know, given the other team points, we've lost. So that's step number one, can't turn the ball over. I feel like step number two, sustained drives. You know, we have to be on the field longer. We've had, you know, a couple three and outs last week that weren't good for us. You know, we got to sustain drives on on Texas. 
And I think the third is just we got to play physical. You know, these, these guys are super physical. You know, they play hard. Uh, they care. You know, they're not entitled. And so we have to come out with that same mentality. You know, we got to play just as hard. Um, can't back down. Can't be scared. You know, just because we're going into, you know, a big stadium with a historic um, program, you know, we can't back down from these guys. So, yeah, those are probably the top three. Well, best of luck, Isaac. He's BYU football tight end and Captain Isaac Rex. We always enjoy the conversation. Hopefully the Lakers get back on the winning side of things as they get the season underway, and and you guys keep your winning streak going (laughs) as well. But we'll talk next week and recap this Texas game and look ahead to West Virginia. Yep, appreciate it, Mitch and Matt. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's Isaac Rex here on KSL News Radio. The Cougars are prowling the Lone Star State. Slovis gun. LJ left him. Second and goal from the one. The hand clap. The give Martin. LJ in the end zone! After a win against Texas Tech, today BYU takes on national power. Texas. This conference is no joke, man. So we got to get everything fixed as much as we can and be ready to roll by the time we go and see Sark and his boys. This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage. BYU. Texas. Brought to you by Any Hour Services. Electrical plumbing, heating, and air. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage of BYU versus Texas from Austin. It's time to go behind enemy lines, and it's brought to you by Economic Partners. Joining me now to discuss the Texas Longhorns, Texas beat writer from Horns 24-7, and you can follow him on X at Eric C. Henry underscore. Eric, it's got to feel a little bit weird to think that BYU and Texas are meeting in a conference game. Yeah, you know what? First of all, appreciate you having me on, Mitch. It, it definitely has been interesting. I think when you enter the year, you might have expected Texas to be in the scenario. Maybe not BYU, certainly, as a Big 12 newcomer, one of the, the four newcomers to the league, but this is where we are, and certainly with Texas' loss to Oklahoma, you know, uh, things are a little bit interesting as they head down the stretch here in the Big 12 uh, title race. And it's definitely interesting at quarterback for Texas as Malik Murphy gets named officially by Steve Sarkeesian earlier this week as the starting quarterback. What should we know about about Murphy? Here is the big thing with Malik. And if you go back even to spring, when there was a bit of a competition between himself and Quinn Yorg and to a lesser extent Arch Manning, Malik Murphy is going to play a very similar game to Quinn Yorg in the sense that he is not someone who's going to look to scramble. He certainly has the ability to do so, but Malik is a big guy, big-armed pocket passer. The, the big thing, Mitch, I think really – separated Quinn from some of the other guys in specificity with Malik getting the start today is Malik's consistency. And, you know, you, even from the, the limited time that we got a chance to see them, you know, when they opened up practice heading into fall camp, it was Malik it throws a beautiful ball, you know, probably one of the biggest R's in college football, but it's consistency, you know, and Steve Sarkeesian has said it to us on, on multiple occasions that with him and a lot of the underclassmen, it's, it's, hey, you can't do things good one play or one, you know, one series and one drive and then have that inconsistency the next time. So now, six, seven, eight weeks into the year, I'll be interested to see now that Malik is getting the start with Quinn being banged up, if he's been able to clean up some of those things. And, and just something that I think will be interesting for, you know, the audience, uh, Mitch, is when we had a chance to speak with uh, Steve earlier this week, we asked him, you know, how the playbook may or may not change going to Malik. And he said that um, it's not going to change because on Fridays, he likes to get with all the quarterbacks and ask them each, hey, 
give me, you know, seven to 10, seven to 12 plays that you like best for, for, you know, if you're in the game, what are you going to do? So Sark said that, Hey, we're not just changing the playbook. Now that Malik's in there, we have seven weeks worth of plays that we know Malik likes to run. He's comfortable with, and, and that's what we're going to do. So it'd be interesting, but uh, the big thing is consistency. Talking with Texas beat writer, Eric Henry for horns, 24 seven, follow his coverage on the 24-7 Sports Network, Horns247.com. You know, Eric, I'm curious, you know, is there any weakness with this Texas team? I know BYU coaches throughout the week have basically said, you know, Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator for BYU, said this might be the best defense he's seen in his 24 years of coaching. Uh, Is there any weakness that BYU could potentially attack and exploit in this game? It's interesting that Aaron Roderick said that because if you assess this Texas defense after the first three or four weeks, I quite frankly might have agreed with him. I don't have, you know, 24 years worth of experience, but I would have said in, you know, my decade of covering college football, they have that type of potential. Now the shift and the change has been as they've been banged up in the secondary, they've allowed, uh, you know, some teams to be Houston and of course Oklahoma a few weeks ago to have success in the passing game. I mean, they've allowed, over about 650 yards of total passing, and most notably 378 yards on three touchdowns to Donovan Smith in Houston, who, of course, you know, went into that, that game struggling. The biggest thing in the secondary, Mitch, has been injuries. Ryan Watts, who is their boundary side corner, has been banged up. Uh, nickelback Jade Barron wasn't supposed to play last week. He was, and, and the, using today's words, was a great glass in case of emergency guy. And that, of course, they, you know, were having some some issues defending uh, Houston in that first half. So they put Jade out there, who typically plays the nickel, and, and for my money, is one of the top, uh, you know, defensive back top players in all of college football. They had to shift him to the outside with Ryan Watts not being available, and uh, you know he's able to come up with a, a game-saving, game-changing pass breakup down there, and in the fourth-down scenario with Houston trying to tie the ball game. But uh, to you know answer your question specifically. This secondary, they've allowed a lot of passing yards over the past few weeks, and I think the biggest thing is, is again, those injuries. Ryan Watts was said by Steve Sarkeesian earlier this week to be available. Uh, our Arkansas transfer Jalen Catalan, who's been banged up throughout the year, but you know he plays part of that five-man safety rotation, he's supposed to be available. So in my mind, if BYU, and especially a veteran quarterback like Keaton Slovis, if you take a look at Texas this year, they've had a lot of success playing backup. You know, when they face a backup in Houston, face a backup in Kansas, you know, face a backup in Wyoming, they, they've done well. Um, but when the starter has been available, they've been able to, those starting quarterbacks, especially veteran guys, they've been able to, you know, have a little bit of success, especially those underneath crossing routes. So if Keaton Slovis can get the ball out of his hands and, and, you know, really kind of force the Texas secondary to, you know, really emphasize their communication, there could be some opportunities for BYU to make some plays. And on the flip side, Eric, what do you feel is just head and shoulders the strength of this Texas team? Undoubtedly. It, it might be the biggest surprise, but it's running back Jonathan Brooks, Mitch. I mean, you know, you come into the year and you're replacing a Doak Walker Award winner and P. John Robinson. And then, of course, his backup in Roshan Johnson was drafted as well by the Chicago Bears. And you're thinking, man, how can you replace that? And, you know, J.B. is a guy who doesn't even win the, the starting running back job out of camp. It was uh, true freshman Cedric Baxter, the former uh, five-star recruit from Orlando, who was the RB1. But, you know, CJ got banged up early in the year, and they're able to 
turn to a redshirt sophomore in Jonathan Brooks, who, you know, listen, he is not going to be the most boastful guy about his own ability. If you ask him you, you, early in the year, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not fast, I'm, but I'm not slow. I'm just kind of average. Well, you, you take a look at his chunk plays and his home run hitting ability, and, and JB certainly needs to give himself some more credit. Of course, uh, I think he still, still lands in the top 10 amongst FBS rushers uh, in rushing yards. And one of the biggest things that I think he does really well, Mitch, is he makes the first man miss, which was a big thing that Roshan and Bijan, if you go back and look at the numbers from last year, they led all FBS rushers in forced miss tackles. And that was the thing that C.J. Baxter wasn't necessarily doing well in the early going. Before he got banged up, Jonathan Brooks is amongst the top 10 uh, rushers in the nation as far as forced miss tackles. So uh, undoubtedly, I mean, even – with the amount of playmakers they have at receiver, guys like Xavier Worthy and J.T. Sanders and, you know, Adnai Mitchell, those guys are great. But the most consistent thing this year has been the talent of Jonathan Brooks. And, you know, he's a guy who just fell a yard short of having his fifth straight 100-yard day last week. So, uh, J.B. has certainly been the most impressive and, and the most consistent player on offense, uh, or really for this entire team uh, for Texas. You can follow him on X at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can also follow his bylines and coverage today, Horns 24-7. Eric, appreciate the time, and hopefully this this can be an entertaining ball game with some fun stories. Not a problem. I appreciate you having me on. And that's Eric Henry, Texas beat writer on Horns 24-7. I really appreciate him joining us. We've got to take a timeout, though. On the other side, Tyler Batty will join the show. You'll hear my conversation with him, how he expects to attack this Texas offense that has running back Jonathan Brooks, as you heard. More extended pregame coverage from Austin right here on KSL News Radio. BYU, Texas. In the gun, the hand clap, the snap, the short drop, the sprint out to the right. Keaton throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown. This is KSL Special Extended Pregame Coverage on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into extended pregame coverage. BYU versus number seven, Texas. As conference foes. How about that? Who'd ever thought we'd see the day where BYU and Texas are lining up in a conference game? Better late than never, right? Well, one of these guys that's ready for that opportunity is BYU defensive end Tyler Batty. I catch up with him every single week on the Cougar Tracks podcast, on the KSL Sports app, and all major podcasting platforms, talking about this game with the Longhorns with BYU's captain. And there's a big stage that awaits you this Saturday in Austin, Texas Longhorns. Massive stadium. Could be only the third time in BYU's history they could be playing in front of a crowd of more than 100,000 fans. Your thoughts on playing the Longhorns, number seven team in the country, and the opportunity that awaits you guys? Super excited. Super, super excited. Um, It's Texas. You know, it's Texas. Um, And so... Yeah, just super excited to go down there and play them. I mean, that's... You know, they're they're a team that, you know, everyone kind of... Grows up watching, even if you're not a Texas fan, like sure. you know, they they've been that brand in college football for long enough, and so, um, and you know, I think, you know, BYU has we have a phenomenal brand in football as well. Not to you know downplay downplay our brand whatsoever, um, but you know, yeah. uh, just really excited. Again, that's a massive stadium. I've never played, you know, in front of that many people, and just I think it's going to be a really fun game. I think it's going to be a really competitive game. Um, especially since we won't really get to see much of them as they're leaving the conference. What's the biggest stadium that you've played in? Is it Lavelle Edwards or Arkansas? Or, 
Oh, Arkansas. Yes, yeah. that was the big it, Coliseum was big, but it was kind of a small crowd in 2021. Yeah. That was that one holds 80. But yeah, Arkansas, then that was the biggest crowd. Yeah, it's going to outdo that one. It's going to yeah. be probably 100,000. How do you what do you think of that? I mean, just six figures of fans, 100,000 people are going to pack in and watch you guys play. I think it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I think it's going to be packed. I, I expect, you know, I expect it to be packed. We expect it to be loud. Um, but I think it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to kick off at 1.30, and Texas expected to have a new quarterback. Uh, Quinn Ewers, he's week to week. You guys are becoming seasoned vets when it comes to <laughs> handling backup quarterbacks. With this week, though, They've kind of left the window open or door open a bit at Texas about Arch Manning's getting some first team reps. Maybe it's a play of gamesmanship. I don't know, but do you guys have to kind of dig into all of those quarterbacks to kind of know what's happening with Murphy, Arch Manning, and to a far lesser degree, Quinn Ewers? Yeah, I again, I think uh, I think Murphy he stepped in, you know, during their game versus yeah. Rice. Um, you know he's kind of the quarterback. You know we're we're anticipating seeing. Um, again, I think I think their offense. I don't think it will change much. Whatever quarterback they do play, again, I think they have a, a good offensive identity. Um, you know, I think to I think they stick to what they're good at, um, and so I don't think um, a change at quarterback will drastically change their offense. And so, you know, of course we're 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 preparing um, for both. You know, for whoever may you know start. Um, but, uh, you know, I think overall, I think their, their offense is going to be pretty similar no matter who, uh, steps into that role. One of the strengths of Texas this year has been their depth on the offensive line. I remember coming into the season, Sarkeesian said that they felt like they go three deep. They've, they've got a lot of bodies to put at people. They feel like that's been the heart of their team. Your thoughts on the challenge of facing that Texas O line that, you know, when we talk about NFL, they've, they've got some NFL prospects there. Yeah, again, excited, excited to go to go play, uh, you know, that level of competition. I think we have um, a bunch of dudes that are up to the task and a bunch of dudes that are stoked to be able to go and 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 compete. Right. And so um, I, I think I think they do have a really good offense, you know, as, as they've shown throughout the season. Um, and so I think it's going to be, again, a good challenge for our defense to, you know, kind of prove, you know, who, who we are as a defense and that, you know, we um, can compete. Jay Hill said that John Nelson might not play. He says he's unlikely to play this week, which is a big blow. John's uh, had some good games this year, but your feelings on how the D-line, being the leader of the group, how it's coming along at heading into game eight and just where you feel like this defensive line is at and where you guys are looking to improve heading into this game. Yeah, I think we've improved a lot throughout the season. I, I would say our play, I think our play has consistently gotten better um, as the games have went on, and that's something that we're just going to continue to try to do uh, week by week, right? Um, is just make sure we're stuffing the run and then uh, make sure we're getting after the passer, you know, which we I think we still have some strides to make there. Um, getting after the passer and affecting quarterbacks uh, when the time comes. Was that a little bit, I don't know want to say discouraging, because you, you got to win. I don't think you guys are ever going to focus on individual stats and, and things like that, but was that a little frustrating in the Texas Tech game to come away with no sacks on, on Tech? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 150%, you know, those, we have goals that, you know, we make beforehand and, and we want to achieve those goals. And so, um, I, I, w I would say we definitely didn't meet those goals as a D, uh, as a D end room or as a D tackle room, um, you know, versus Texas tech. And so, uh, 
that again, that's something that, that we want to do, right? We want to have more production, you know, on the D line. And uh, especially when it comes to passing downs, right? We want to get after that quarterback. And that's BYU defensive end Tyler Batty here on extended pregame coverage. You can listen to the full conversation with Tyler on the Cougar Tracks podcast feed every single week. On the other side, we'll get to BYU punter Ryan Rico. We'll catch up with Ryan as we get ready for BYU in Texas right here on extended pregame. It's powered by KSL Sports. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. BYU gets a much-needed win in Big 12 play. Keaton throws, and it's caught by Chase Roberts for the touchdown! The success comes just in time, because today, the Cougars play a Big 12 powerhouse, the Texas Longhorns. They have a great coaching staff. It does a great job getting the guys ready, and so much talent. It's going to be a, a difficult matchup, but I think he's going to bring out the best in us. If BYU has any chance of victory, it's going to come on the arm of quarterback Keaton Slovis. Slovis with the 80th touchdown pass of his outstanding collegiate career. You're listening to KSL Special X. Extended pregame coverage. BYU, Texas. We're sponsored by Any Hour Services. Electrical, plumbing, heating, and air. Our hosts are Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Two and a half hours to go before kickoff, and we're continuing our extended pregame coverage. Right now, let's catch up with. One of the best punters in the nation, maybe an NFL punter. I had the chance to talk with Ryan Rico earlier in the week down at BYU. Here's that conversation. When you came back for this year, I'm sure your goals were high, but did you imagine that your punting would be in the top three of the country? Yeah, I mean, definitely a blessing to be to be that high right now, and I think that's a credit to the work that I feel like all of us have put in kind of getting prepped for the Big 12. So whether it's me or anybody else on the offense or defense, I think – guys have kind of upped their game getting ready for that. What have you liked the most about your just steady consistency this year that's have you in, as one of the top punters in the country? Yeah, I, I think you said it, just that consistency. There, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of factors that come into it, but ultimately, if you're able to have a good average, I think that speaks to the, the consistency and the work that you've put in day by day. Just doing your job, focusing on what you can control, and just going from there. What is the work that a punter does day by day in the offseason <laughs> to get ready for performing yeah definitely different than some other positions for sure maybe not as physically strenuous but definitely I feel like the mental preparation whether that's just your flexibility you're working on every day whether it's your drops or your catch and molds there's a lot of things that you can do to prepare yourself mentally and then ultimately like the lights come on the game starts and you honestly just kind of go Blake and you you rely on that muscle memory two-part question for you what was your reaction when your special teams coach moved on to a new role and then you brought in Kelly Paping in the offseason? It's always a shock, I feel like, when a coaching change happens. And I love playing under Coach Lamb. He he was obviously the one that recruited me, brought me in, and really just gave me the perfect start to a college career. The way that he just kind of helped me get ingrained in the game and nothing, nothing but just well wishes for Coach Lamb and everything that he did for me. And then obviously to bring K-pop in, it was just awesome from day one. The energy that he's brought to the special teams room, to the team in general, I feel like just speaks a lot of the character of, of him and yeah, I don't have enough good things to say about K-pop because it's, it's just been an awesome year so far. On the field, how has he helped you and the, and the punt team in general? He just requires excellence. Like he is, He's never okay with mediocre. He's never okay with just scraping by. Like We could have one aspect of the team be, be awesome, but then the other aspect be falling off a little bit, and it's like all of it's falling apart. So it's like, hey, we got to be firing on all cylinders. we got to make sure that 
everybody's in unison, everybody's in sync, and then that's when we'll we'll see the results that we really want. From a general special teams perspective, how would you grade out the performance of all the special teams? Ooh, man, all the special teams. That's tough for me to grade because obviously I think I'm going to be a little bit biased, but I feel like the special teams in general, I think we've done some great things so far. I think there's just still so much room for improvement, and I think that's the exciting part too is we're not anywhere near the potential that we have. So going into the latter half of the season, I think there's a lot more that we can do, but definitely just want to stay steady as we've been so far and just continue to improve upon that. Looking back at the Texas Tech win, what do you think you guys did well, maybe from just the punt perspective and something that's got to be cleaned up going forward? Yeah, I think our protection did a great job. Guys did a great job of blocking and making sure that they were stopping the feet of their defenders and stuff. I feel like our coverage can definitely improve upon, and that starts with me, just getting more hang time, giving our guys more time to get down there, and uh, then just making plays on the ball. What's more exciting for you as a player, a long 70-plus yard punt or recovering a, a fumble? Ooh. I feel like a punt just because that's what I should be doing. Recovering a fumble, definitely not what I should be doing, but I mean, that's always a plus too, for sure. Take us through that play. Like, what was that like? The ball just kind of like plopped right in front of you, but yeah. just what do you remember about that? Yeah, no, it was honestly just, it felt like slow motion a little bit. You're like, nah, this isn't going to come to me, is it? And then sure enough, the ball's in your hands. You're like, okay, just get down, just get down. But yeah, that was a cool moment for sure. Something I'll always remember, but just happy that it helped the team and uh, put us in a position to win. Few more moments with Ryan Rico. This BOU team, there's been some highs, there's been some lows this year. Just doesn't feel like a full game has been put together. What do you think is missing from this team putting it together for four quarters? I, I totally agree with that. I feel like we've been so close at times and you see the potential that we have. I feel like it's just that that focus, just okay, we're gonna come out, we have 60 minutes. Every single play that we have, we're giving 100%, we're dialed in, we are just doing our 111th. I feel like once we do that, then we'll be able to put together a full game. But, I mean, I think if you ask any team in the country, they're probably going to say the same thing. It's really tough to put a full game together where everything is just firing on all cylinders. So it's definitely not discouraging that we're not there yet, but obviously we're chasing perfection, and that's, that's the next step. I love talking special teams, so I'm glad we're having this. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I want to switch to the the field goal holder situation. Yeah. How was Will done? It felt like he had a great game against Texas Tech. As the holder, I mean, you're uniquely qualified to answer this. How's he doing as the as yeah. the place kicker? Will Will's crushing it. I I freaking love that dude. He's I think he's come in and surprised a lot of people because you go to spring ball and everybody was freaking out a little bit, and I mean, we knew we're like we know the qualities of guys that we have here, and so. For them to be able to go out and prove it so far this year, Will has, he's just been a professional. He's come in, doesn't get too high with the highs, doesn't get too low with the lows, and he's, he's just steady. And so I think that's the, the greatest compliment that you can pay a kicker because if they're wavering one way or the other, I think you're asking for trouble. But Will is just as steady as they come, takes his stuff very seriously, but he has fun with it too. He doesn't get too in his head about anything. So I, I just love the Will. The Will that we've seen so far is the Will that he's capable of. Have there been any holds this year where you haven't been able to get the laces around? Yeah, there's actually one in the Texas Tech game where I was frustrated with myself because I was like, I know I can get those around. But again, that just speaks to Will. Will doesn't need the perfect operation to be able to put it through. He can do it even under bad conditions. As the holder, what's your responsibility? Are you, are you you're taking the snap? You're making sure that Will is ready to go? It's all on you? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of just, just, you're just a middleman making sure the line's good, making sure the snap was ready. Look back, make sure Will's ready to go. And uh, after that, again, you just kind of go blank. You go through your cadence, get the ball down, just treat it like it's another day at the, at the practice field. 
Where do you think the field goal team, and Will in particular, is comfortable kicking from distance-wise? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like in practice we haven't practiced very far going back, but seeing Will, I've seen him hit 65-70 yards. Like, that's, that's when like, the leg is feeling really, really good. So in a game, honestly, I feel like anything inside of midfield, Will's got a real, like, he's got the leg to get it there. So I feel like we have a really good shot anywhere. Well, have fun in Texas. It's an iconic venue. Uh, we're yeah. looking forward to seeing you down there. Thank you so much. There you go. Ryan Rico, third in the nation in punting average. Pretty impressive. Taking the break here on the other side. We'll wrap things up with our score predictions and our three and out deep dive to get you ready for the Longhorns and the Cougs. And it's brought to you and always powered by KSL Sports. BYU, Texas. This is KSL's special extended pregame coverage on KSL News Radio. Inching closer to kickoff here on extended pregame coverage. It's the final segment of the show. We got your score predictions, but before that, we love to break down these matchups with a deep dive. We do this every single week during the football season. Let's get to it. Three and out. A quick hit look at BYU's next opponent on the gridiron. It's three and out on Cougar Sports Saturday. Three and out. Every week we give you a stat, player, and a bold prediction to get ready for the next BYU football game. And like any drive, let's start off with first down. There we go. First down. Stat of the day. To keep an eye on, Matt, what's the stat that you're watching for on this BYU-Texas matchup? 66% is the number, and it's a small sample size, but I do think it is interesting. 66% of the time, under Kalani Satake, BYU has beaten hmm. a top-10 team on the schedule. They're 2-1. and one. The last time this happened was back in 2021. They beat Baylor. They beat a Wisconsin team as well. That's how you get to 2-1 and one in, in the wins column. And look, Texas is top 10. They're a good football team. And this stat could mean nothing at the end of the day other than what we discussed in the last segment, which is they get up for these games. They don't always win them, but they get up for them. So I just found that kind of interesting. Like top 10, Kalani's done quite well for himself as the coach of BYU. That's a good stat. I, I'm going to go with 68.4%. And you might be wondering, what is that? Well, it's Texas's red, red zone defense. They're 10th nationally in red zone defense. This is noteworthy because one of the best stats for BYU. The best. On offense this year. No, it's, sorry, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. It's second best. <laughs> it is. Turnover margin is best. My bad. <laughs> Their red zone offense for BYU has been outstanding this year. 91.3% for the Cougars. So something's got to give the old cliche there. BYU's 24th nationally in red zone offense. So when you get in the red zone, BYU, you got to get touchdowns. I, look, Shout out Will Farron, doing a great job. Yeah. BYU can rely on him, but you don't want to settle for him today. You got to get touchdowns. You got to capitalize. It's going to be a tough test against Texas. How interesting zone. was that Rico commentary on where he, where he said in spring football, everyone was freaking out. And inside the building, we knew <laughs> we're good. Like it, it's going to be fine, but we were freaking out. And he's done a nice job. Second down. Players to watch here on second down for me. Here's a guy who has very little film on him this year and is someone who we thought before all the drama and the craziness in the offseason could have been BYU's number one wide receiver. That has clearly not panned out. But Cody Epps is a guy who we keep hearing it over and over again. He's 100% healthy. Fessy said as much earlier today 
on pregame coverage. Last week, his most productive week, he's ramping up. TCU, two catches. Last week, three catches. Could this be the game where there's going to be a lot of focus on Chase, a lot of focus on Isaac Rex? Could Cody Epps, in some one-on-one matchups, beat some guys? We've seen it before. He did it against Arkansas last year. He did it against Notre Dame last year. Now that he's healthy, could this be a breakout game for Cody Epps? He's the guy I'm watching for BYU. What about you? I love that pick. I'm going to go with the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week this week. That's Eddie Heckard. Eddie Heckard has a tall order in front of him. I think you'll highlight one of the big reasons why. But Heckard has got to be good. This whole secondary is going to be tested like never before because the wide receivers that Texas has in front of them uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough test, but Heckard, this is why he came to BYU for opportunities like this to face the type of players that he's gonna see today. And one of those guys is a Texas wide receiver that I'll be watching. A lot of the focus is pointed towards Xavier Worthy, and rightfully so. Forty catches. He's an NFL player. He's fantastic. I'm a little worried about the other side though. Adonai Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, he has been quiet the last two weeks. Only three catches against Oklahoma. Last week, only one catch against Houston. But if you go back to that win against Kansas, 10 grabs, 141 yards. This dude is a speedster. He made plays on the biggest stages of college football in the college football playoff with the Bulldogs the past two years. They've got to find a way to contain him and Worthy, but I just feel like, hey, it's easy to focus on Worthy. Can't forget about Adonai Mitchell. Yeah, A.D. Mitchell is a, a big-time talent for Texas. Yeah, that's a great poll. For me on Texas, it's Jalen Ford. Might be a well-known name, and it is. I mean, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in the preseason. He probably should have been the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. I think he got hosed out of that. He's been the best linebacker in this league for a couple years, 6'3", 242. You think about some of the old Texas teams of the past, like a Derek Johnson type in the middle of that defense, that's Jalen Ford. He is a heck of a football player. I mean, he is outstanding out of Frisco, Texas. Jalen Ford, number 41. Keep an eye out for him. Curious to see how BYU stops him because he's someone on that second level of the defense that you have to account for every single snap because he is a playmaker at that linebacker spot for Texas. Here's a down that BYU's got to be better at against the Longhorns. Third down. Third down. Here's where we give you our bold predictions. And Mitch, I don't know why I feel this way because the stats would indicate I'm crazy for thinking this. The talent gap might make me feel like there's no humanly possible way, but yet we've been BYU fans for a long time. We've covered this team for a long time. You've been a media member for the entirety of Kalani's coaching uh, tenure at BYU, so you've been very close to this program. Do they disappoint us? Yes, they do. Do they lose games like UMass and Toledo, (laughs) and you're wondering what's happening? That happens. But then they find ways to compete and even win a lot of these big opponent games. And I just feel like, here's my bold prediction. I feel like midway through the fourth quarter, BYU will either be winning or be within one score. Mm. And then after that, can you make a play, force a turnover, have an explosive play that swings the game? I don't know, but I just have a feeling that BYU is going to be in this football game late with opportunities to have an upset. I hope BYU has that, Matt, because... That would be a building block for the program going forward down the stretch run if they can do that. I'm going to say BYU throws 55-plus attempts through the air this game. And that might be a bad thing, 
But I just have a lot of respect for what Texas brings on that front seven. Guys like Jalen Ford, I think it's going to be hard for BYU's ground attack to have much success. LJ Martin, Aiden Robbins, I'm just not expecting much because of what we've seen thus far from the ground attack. I know 150 yards last week, that was a nice uh, performance, but that was against one of the worst rush defenses in the Big 12 against Texas Tech. This is a different animal with Texas. So I'm expecting Keenan Slovis to have to throw the football a lot. He's got to take care of the rock. That means a lot of opportunities for picks potentially, but... Uh, 55-plus pass attempts for BYU. Finally, before we close this thing out and toss it to Greg Rubel in the Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial booth, score predictions, Matt, who you got? Well, I just said it was going to be close, so obviously I'm picking the Cougs. Not so fast, my <laughs> friends. I, I, oh, come on, let's do it. <laughs> I got to pick the Longhorns. And look, I feel like Texas is going to win 31-24, and BYU will walk out of that. Uh, with a moral victory. Maybe you don't believe in that, but I feel like against a team that on the road is much more talented than you, you come out losing by seven, that should give you confidence with a tough remaining schedule that you can at least get one more win and get to a bowl game. I, I like that. I mean, that would be awesome for BYU. For me, I'm, I'm going to go with a little bit more what the prognosticators are saying about this game. I think Texas 35, BYU 17. I fear BYU gets in a hole early and kind of recalibrates, and you feel like in the second half they outplay Texas. But I feel like Texas, BYU will not be completely outclassed like they were against TCU, but I, I feel like Texas wins. This is the most talented football team I felt in stretches of the entire country. I just feel like Texas's talent in the trenches is where they have improved significantly. They go three deep on the offensive line. They're about 10 deep at defensive line. This is a tough physical Texas team. This is not the soft pushover teams that Taysom rolled through a decade ago. These are tough-minded guys. So I just feel like Texas is going to be up to the task to face BYU. I think they'll probably they'll, they'll edge BYU and get uh, you know a two-touchdown win. But I feel like BYU will not let fans down in the fact that like, they'll be competitive in stretches, and you can build off that going forward. Good stuff, Mitch. We'll uh, hand it over to Greg Rubel, Hans Olsen, Mitch Jurgens, and the boys. Thanks for being a part of extended pregame coverage.